Let me ask you if you would to turn with me in your Bibles to Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. First, Thessalonians. We'll read from chapter 5. No, it's not about that stuff at the end of chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5 about the end of time and the second coming. That's worth talking about, but it's not what I have in mind today. Instead, in verse 12, we find a series of instructions. Almost one short order after another that Paul sort of offers us a kind of catch-all of moral advice about life in church and life in Christ and getting along and making church and faith work. It is a, 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 some have called it a shotgun blast of moral advice at the end of the letter. Uh, Some have called it a little uh, chain of quotations. I think it has a tiny bit more order than that, but no doubt I think it's safe to say it's sort of Paul summing up with a lot of, Odds and ends, maybe, that he's bringing together at the end and asking the church at Thessalonica to live in a way that's appropriate. Now, you'll read the first verse or two, and you say, okay, he selected this text because it's Wayne's special day. Okay, you're right. Uh, And uh, Wayne uh, admonished me and warned me, uh, preach about Jesus, don't preach about Wayne, and I'll be true to that. Uh, But there's a time or two where I see in Wayne a testimony to Jesus. But the exhortation begins this way. We appeal to you, brothers, by extension I think sisters are included, to acknowledge or to respect those who labor among you, those who have charge of you in the Lord. It's the idea of presiding or oversight. It can be as much about, in my judgment, leadership or service and care as leadership. They preside over you and they admonish you, they warn you. The instruction is this. Esteem them very highly, exceedingly highly in love because of their work. And my dear ones, let me offer a word of uh, instruction before I go on to read Paul's letters. I just want to say to you, Again, this is the day we set aside to acknowledge and recognize Wayne's leadership. This text, though, also has bearing on folks who are going to call a pastor. And I want you to understand this and mark this. I want you to acknowledge his work and show respect and offer him a respect and an esteem. There's something about the affirmation of esteem that is enabling. And there's something about the critical spirit that is debilitating. And I want you to offer him this kind of respect. As a pastor, I can say, 
I've had folks who loved me enough and came to me and warned me and told me that something I was doing was not on track. But let me tell you, when that very, very painful or, or, or anxious day may come, it makes the world of difference if you know that person who's coming to encourage you, loves you, and respects you. You offer esteem and respect. And I believe that extension of the Lord's good grace will pay great dividend to you. Let me ask you as well to go on with the instructions. Be at peace among yourselves. We urge you, beloved, to admonish uh, the idlers. Uh, it's the unruly, is a general Greek word, but in the previous chapters, this word's been applied to folks who are so wrapped up in the expectation that Christ might come again that they've stopped working. And Paul's simple advice, remember that back there was, well, you can take that policy if you don't, if you don't want to eat, right? You don't have to work. But if you, if you want to eat, though, I think you ought to stop anticipating the Lord's coming and bear down and do some work. Those folks needed to be warned or corrected. Encourage the faint-hearted. Assure them. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. That is, to the church family immediately and then to those even beyond our walls. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in every circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And do not quench the spirit. Do not despise the word of the prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me encourage you that there's lots for us to consider in this little shotgun list of advice. I think the instruction starts with offer some respect towards those who are leaving. And there's three images here. I don't think there's three different offices. I, I just think this is a, a, a kind of a generic summary way. There's those who preside over you. There's ones you describe as laborers in the field. They're the ones who would come to you and admonish you and warn you and offer your correction so that you can grow and change. These are the kinds of things that ministry necessarily involves. And I think Paul probably has in mind here the leaders when he signals out these practices. But these practices are not left just to the leaders. We must belong to a community that works together and cares for one another. And part of that would be showing the due respect to leadership, but then part of that would be enjoying and maintaining the peace. And that's where Paul goes next in his instruction. Let peace abide in you, or you abide with one another in peace what does that look like 
Well, peace is not some sloppy, silly love. Uh, peace gives people what they need. It cares for people. And notice these, uh, in our translation, it says idlers, these folks who are, are not doing so well, they need help, but they need the help of correction and a warning, an admonition. There are some folks that are broken and discouraged and they're weak of heart and they're just struggling to get along and they need someone to come along beside them and I would translate, offer the work of assurance and encouragement to them. There are some who are sick and not able and they need help. You do for people what they need. You see, these folks who are sick, they need help, but the, the folks who we had at the top of our list, those idlers, they need the help of somebody coming to them and saying, you need to help yourself, right? Right? You need to pick it up. You, you need to take accountability. You need to help yourself and help others. And there's a word that is fitting for everybody in every circumstance. And there are people along the way who need just the assurance and the reminder that God has the project underwritten and their life is secure in Christ, and they can go on and face the hardship and the heaviness and the difficult season they're in with just the assurance of God's grace and mercy and so on. They need to be encouraged, and there's something along the way for everyone. And they may need this gift or that gift, this task or that task, and we as the church family Right, working in concert with our, our, our ones who are presiding and offering us leadership, we must become the body that dwells and abides in peace. And we do this by caring for those where they are. Some need the wake-up call of a good, strong word. Some need the reassuring word of God's presence and our care. Some need our help, and now. And Paul adds to the list one more instruction, one more imperative, one more command, and patience. Patience toward everyone. And that seems hard, but you remember, Paul writes elsewhere, maybe at another one of these very early letters, perhaps the letter to the Galatians. He writes that the fruit of the Spirit is manifested in the people of God when the Spirit abides and dwells in them. And one of the hallmarks of Spirit abiding is this word, patience. And we extend patience to everyone, not because we're exceedingly kind, but because we are the agents of God who is patient and patient and patient. He was patient with you when you were being brought to Christ Patient to overlook your sins. Patient to overlook your indifference at first. Patient to overlook how long you might have toyed with the decision. How long you wanted to cling to your own life and be your own boss before you acknowledged the way forward and the way to true and full life is to find your life in Jesus Christ. Oh, how we were so stubborn, so slow. And how did we ever get there? It was because the patience of God was extended and then when God's Spirit gets a hold of people, they manifest this same patience toward one another. And one more, 
non-retaliation. That's next. We don't return. Evil for evil. If we're concerned about the church's fellowship and we're concerned about one another, then I'm not going to be sniping at you and getting even with you. When I take vengeance, it's because I'm worried about me and not you. Get it? But if you're not wrapped up in who you are and what was right and what needs to be set straight, and you're wrapped up in what God is able to accomplish and do for your brother or your sister, you're going to set getting even aside and you're going to set caring in front and you're going to be attentive to the people around you and you're going to love them and this is how peace abides. The instructions go on. They include a little triad there. Verse 17 and 18. Capture these little commands. These things, see, mark the quality of discipleship and life in Christ lived out. And, and you see them, and, and you don't need to offer restraint where these come from. These are just the abiding characteristics that should be marking our lives. We should be rejoicing. We should be praying. And we should be giving thanks. You see, joy doesn't mark the Christian community because everything is well. If you read the fine print of this letter, not everything's well at Thessalonica. And the hope of Christ's coming is some uh, insulating thing for them that uh, keeps them from being injured. In fact, it's something that makes them stick out like a sore thumb because they belong to a, a different kind of kingdom and a, and a different world and neighbors don't understand them and they're being mistreated. They don't have joy because they have this well wonderful moment you see modern people think about joy and happiness and peace as a a, a a kind of a psychic state i at the moment seem to be having this experience and it's great when it lasts but when some difficulty comes my way that happiness or joy gets bumped off center stage and i am down or sad Ancient people thought a little differently about these attitudes. They didn't think so much that this was something that just kind of hits you one day. And for the moment, you're glad to have it. And you celebrate it while it's here, but you know it's vanishing pretty quickly when the tide turns and you become sad. Ancient people thought of these things more like a trait of character something you possess they would not have understood our expressions like a random act of kindness no they thought kind people were shaped over a period of time and kindness was kind of woven into their soul and the fabric of who they are and they weren't kind just because well it, it, it's a moment where they were doing well they were just kind because that's kind of who they were christians too embrace this more solid substantial notion of virtue and joy for a christian isn't just a temporary state of having everything go well joy instead is something that comes from knowing 
that you are in the great plan of God and you've been swept into the mercy of God and your life is not just some floating sort of little piece out here at random or not even the thing that you're in charge of, the ship that you course uh, direct your, uh, the course as you would see fit. It is not something merely in your hands or something at the capriciousness of the world, but somehow when we know who Christ is, we have been placed in God's great care. We know who we are in God's eyes. And that doesn't go away. You get it? Joy is something that we ought to cultivate and keep and guard and treasure. And I just want to say to you, these are things that are abiding because, again, it's not the, the circumstance that determines them, but instead it is our place with Christ that determines them. Now, despite Wayne's admonition, I'm going to say I have seen the testimony to spirit in Christ when I overheard and had somewhat of a front row seat to what Wayne was doing and deliberating about, I just want to say to you, I saw through all of that a joy abiding in him, a confidence and a peace about who he was and who his protector was. And I just want to say to you, it meant something to me. And through all that deliberation, Wayne wasn't just praying here at church. He was practicing at home. He was a person of prayer. I could see that. And then, as well, I'm grateful for how I was able to witness him in his spirit of thankfulness. He would look back at things that happened years ago. He would not have understood the full importance of them till much later in life some employment decision, some decision they'd made years ago that now was part of the solution and the way forward. And Wayne responded with just a gratitude. Look what God was doing. And I didn't know enough back then. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know its importance. But look, all that long time ago, God was at work. I think you've heard his testimony to that effect. I just want to say to us that these are the qualities worth cultivating and celebrating and honoring in one another. And when the Spirit gets a hold of us and the Lord is ruling over us, you're going to see people who have an abiding, stubborn joy, a confidence from knowing who God is that is beyond circumstance and so on. And, and, and then you're going to see people who pray, and then you're going to see people who are grateful and thankful. And I just want to say to you, these things are steady. Now in the next verse, uh, several verses, Paul talks about spirit things, which some of us may think is a little bit of an interruption. Why does he all of a sudden talk about charismatic gifts and so on? Well, how does that fit in the list? But I think Paul looks at everything he's done here as the fruit of the Spirit. All of this, the living in peace and the way we honor and the way we care for one another, all of that's the Spirit stuff. 
And he says, you need to be careful not to silence people of the Spirit who speak for the Spirit. But then he goes on to say this too. Neither do you just need to take whatever is said in the name of the Spirit at face value. It's got to be discerned, right? You have to use judgment to discern and find your way. And all of this is undergirded with this. this that this peace that God has called us to, the peace, the life of peace with one another, this life of peace is underwritten by the God of peace. And when we're participating in the life of the church and loving one another and caring for another and becoming part of the community of peace and care toward one another, we're in the very place that God uses to place us. And you can live out this life with this confidence, verse 23 suggested to you, that the God of peace, this God of peace, is making you holy and growing you up and bringing you to completion. And the work of God in you is not finished, but merely is it in your own strength and hand. It is God himself who is working in you to bring you around, to bring you to be the person he wants you to be, to mature you and grow you, and body, soul, and spirit, and whatever else there is of you, everything about you, God is playing for keeps, and he's bringing you to completion. And I think Paul thinks that the place, the perfect crucible for this, is the community of, well, look at one another. You and me. People of Jesus, who are finding our way and trying to follow him, and we're bound together to follow him, together as a family, as a church. And it's in this environment that God can work in us a life of peace. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we pray, would you give us your peace would you grow us, Lord of peace, God of peace? Would you grow us to be people who are complete and whole and, and holy and complete before you? God, I pray, would you let these admonitions ring in our heart? May they ring true and may they be in the Spirit's uh, kind of vocabulary for our life, even in this moment, but also, Lord, May they be in the vocabulary of the Spirit all week long as we hear these things. Lord, bring to mind for us the instruction to show respect, to highly esteem, to admonish, to encourage, to help, to be patient, to be people who are marked by your joy, in a life of conversation and richness of prayer with you, in a life, Lord, that knows gratitude and thanks. And Lord, we pray, bring us along, grow us, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.